Jackie on the baseline, back to Gray. Gray's gonna take a long three. Boom! Shaka-laka-laka-boom! Timeout, Phoenix! This place is on fire! 10,300, it's 70 to 40. Ace is blowing out the mercury. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. 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 And here we go, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. You just heard the voice of T.C. Martin, who does the radio play-by-play on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, when it comes to the Las Vegas Aces. And they had their way with the Phoenix Mercury at the Michelob Ultra Arena. They'll be in action this evening. Tip-off is at 7 o'clock. They're in in L.A. taking on the L.A. Sparks, and they've had uh, a 12-game, I believe, winning streak when it comes to the L.A. Sparks. But let's turn our attention to the TV side of things and join – Krista Blunk, she's an Aces play-by-play voice. Her and Carolyn Peck do a great job of things on the TV side. And, and Krista, thanks so much for your time. As far as the Aces so far this season, coming off that big victory against the Mercury, just blowing them out of the water, I mean, how good can this team be? They've only had two losses so far. Yeah, thanks, Q. I'm glad I could be with you. It's, it's a quick turnaround. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting game. They, I think they all know that the All-Star break is in sight. We're basically coming up to the midway point of the season um, but, you know, it's quick to have a true back-to-back, and then, you know, part of it's on the road. Um, you know, I don't think they, they're they not looking past anyone. Uh, this team, if, if you're asked Becky Hammond, she'll say there's always something that they can improve, improve upon. Um, you know, for her, the big focus has been their defensive end. I think that it's the defense that stands out the most to me as far as what has improved between a team a season ago and this team this year. Um, and then the added players that have come in, uh, an Alicia Clark and a Candace Parker. Candace Parker's been out. She's been resting. She tweaked her ankle a little bit uh, a couple games ago. And so to be able to have the kind of depth to be able to give her some rest at this point in the season, I think is important. But I think sky's the limit. You know, the, the key for everybody is we're starting to see teams some are losing some players. The Sparks are very depleted as far as injuries go. Phoenix had been, but now they, they're getting some players back. And so, you know, you know, if you lose some players, if injuries hit, um, that can really change things. And so, for for this Aces team, I think Becky Hammond's trying to go deeper into her bench. She's trying to keep fresh legs out there and, and try to keep her players as rested as she can because it's a pretty grueling schedule. Uh, and so if they can stay healthy, I mean, really, the sky's the limit. It really feels like that. And you mentioned Coach Hammond, and I think everyone realized when she took the job with the Aces that she's a really good coach. I don't know if anyone realized how good of a coach she really was, like how good she really could be. She seems to me like she's always calm, cool, collective. I know she gets fired up when, you know, they're they're not doing what they're supposed to do defensively. They're letting other teams get easy buckets. But Coach Hammond really, to me, seems like she just gets it. She just understands, uh, you know, the X's and O's, obviously, and really understands how to get the most out of her players what have you seen from coach Hammond in year two with the aces yeah you know I think I think you're right I think she has certain areas of focus that she's always going to hone in on Um, she wants this team to take care of paint points she wants this team to take care of their defense Um, but mostly she wants them to be a selfless team and she she keeps talking about that and building habits she learned so much from pop you know in in in, uh, as an assistant in the NBA what I see from her in practices and in shoot-arounds is she will give references to the players of NBA players. You know, this is like this scenario with Giannis or this player or that player, you know. And I think she puts it in a, in a situation to which they can understand it. They really do grasp what she's talking about. They can relate to it in a high-low post situation or whatever it might be. 
And so uh, she's just relatable. You know, they get it. She's been there. She knows how she wanted to be coached. She knows the effort that she gave, and that's what she expects from her team. And, and every player that we speak with, they all say she's up front and, and, and says it like it is, and they, they respect that. But they also know she respects them, and there's a trust between them on both sides. She lets them be who they are, which is a little bit goofy, but a team that's having fun. But she knows the importance of that in letting them be who they are because she has trust that they will turn it up and, and get down to business when they have to. Again, we're talking all things Aces right now with Crystal Blanc here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. As far as Jackie Young goes, I mean, we all knew that she had the opportunity to be a really good player. We've seen flashes of her being great. But this year, to me, it feels like she's taken her game to a whole nother level. We talk about Parker. We talk about Asia Wilson. We talk about, you know, Kelsey Plum. But, man, Jackie Young, to me, has been phenomenal. What have you seen from Jackie this year? You know, she has blown my mind, too. She really has, and I think she's blown a lot of people's minds. I think we all knew, and she's always been kind of that, that quiet presence of a player. She's, she's not one that wants the spotlight on her. She's, she's very calm and cool. Um, she worked incredibly hard in the offseason uh, with the coaching staff, but on her conditioning and her strength building, but also on her game, on her three-point shooting, she knew she wanted to improve that area of the game, and wow, I mean, she, she really, it is shocking the decisions that she makes at times in, in deciding when to take a three and when to not take a three. And this was a player just a year ago that said, if I had somebody even thinking about guarding me out there, I probably wouldn't have even considered taking the three. And now she doesn't even hesitate. And sometimes there's truly a hand in her face. Um, but I love her game. She's got that inside-outside game. I think also it even makes it stand out even more because she is sort of that quiet assassin kind of player. You know, she, she doesn't want a spotlight, but yet she's creating one whether she likes it or not. So I think the hard work that, that she put in is absolutely paying off. Um, I think it, it could be surprising some people. Uh, I'm sure the people that worked with her and that are around her know that uh, it's not surprising at all. But uh, I, I think that a lot of it has to do with what else is around her as well. I think because Asia does take a lot of focus. Chelsea Gray is scoring more. Kelsey Plum, those players draw so much attention. You've got to give up something. And a lot of people have been giving up Jackie Young, and she's making them pay. I'll tell you what, it would be criminal if I didn't mention Chelsea Gray and, and talk about what she does. And I know you're on the call. You're doing the play-by-play. Carolyn Peck's doing the color, and you guys do a great job. Do you ever just get caught up in the moment of just watching what she's doing out there? She, she never – I never see something that, one, shocks me, but then it's at the same time it's shocking what she's able to do. But it's Chelsea Gray, so I'm like, yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, cute. Sometimes there are no words. You know, Carolyn and I will literally turn our heads and look at each other and our mouths just sort of drop and our eyes and we just shake our heads because, uh, you know, it's just incredible to see the wheels are always turning in her head. You can see her orchestrating and creating everything that's happening. You'll see her in a timeout. You know she draws up a play. There was one last night, and she, I mean, she almost did a cartwheel because she had the inbound pass to Jackie, and it worked, and she just skipped across the court. Um, the excitement that she had for her teammate, uh, but the fact that it, you know, that it worked, um, I so enjoy her. I think if anybody's an all-star, she's the one you want to see, uh, just so flashy, um, but also so intelligent about this game and uh, such a fun, fun player to watch. I enjoy her so much, both on and off the court. She's really, she's really just a class act. 
Yeah, no, she is. She's a lot of fun to watch. And, again, we're talking with Krista Blanc. We're talking all things Aces. And, you know, Krista, as we continue to want to have more eyeballs on the WNBA, and, of course, the Aces are a fantastic show, uh, and that's what they are. They put on a show each and every night wherever they're playing. But Michelob Ultra Arena is always electric. My son was in attendance last night. He he actually plays college ball at Western Oregon. And I think one of the best compliments that you can give anybody is to have someone who plays basketball, understands the basketball game, is a point guard, come back and say, man Chelsea Gray has handles and she's got she's got dimes like she you know what I mean like to be yeah. in awe oh, yeah. of of a player like that I think that's the ultimate compliment oh it certainly is you know and I'm I, I'm so glad that he went I'm glad he could experience it um look I've worked in this league since day one and there were still some amazing teams and players way back when things started way back in the late 90s um but it was kind of hit and miss it wasn't quite as consistent what I'm seeing now with this league and the growth is with 12 teams, the last team in the league. And, and, and you know what? The uh, Aces just played Minnesota that was scoring below. They were, they were scoring about 77, 78 points a game. That's a team that still scored over 50% of the – they hit 50% of their shots in right. the game that they lost against the Aces. I mean, teams are putting up 50% or more scoring every single night. The consistency is there. It is a show. And uh, you name a person that, that could be there, and they were there last night. It was a star-studded affair. And, and what we're also seeing – Fans are starting to travel. They're going to cities to make sure they can catch an Aces game or whatever team it is that they follow and that they that they are are um, you know excited about. And you're also seeing because of the Aces' ability, they're helping draw crowds at other locations as well. You know, you'll see some of your best your best fans coming in uh, to watch the Aces play, whomever it might be. So um, the, it's it's fun to see the crossover. Uh, so many NBA players were there last night. Coach Shashevsky was in attendance yeah. with his wife. You know, they're friends with the Wynn family in Las Vegas, so they came. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was there. You know, summer league's going on, and some of the players had even said, hey, we wanted to go see some real basketball, so they came to the game, you know. So, um, <laughs> you know, you could see their excitement. You, you could see they were having a good time, and and, uh, and it's reciprocated. I think that the WNBA players are so appreciative of this, the support. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. You can see it, and you can hear it when they're being interviewed. They, they can tell you can tell how much they appreciate the support of NBA players and everyone who travels to go see them. And Michelob Ultra Arena, I think it's second to none. I mean, there that that, uh, that atmosphere, as you very well know, is yeah. fantastic. And you know, Kelsey has mentioned after the game multiple times how much a difference maker having their own facilities is, and that was you know generated by Mark Davis. He made sure that they have their own facilities. How big is that for every team in the league? Doesn't have that but the aces this year yeah. even though they won last year uh they were playing you practicing in high schools and unlv and <laughs> now they got their own facility how big is that for them oh my goodness you know it's it's consistency right it's it's going in and knowing exactly what you're what you're getting every single time and get being able to have uh you know habits and and routines and that is so important to an athlete to have a routine uh if they're on the road or they're home you know having those routines they can have a routine they know exactly where they're coming and going, they know, then they know the stairs. I'll tell you that Mark Davis, he set a bar. You know, he has set a bar and said, this is where the team should be. Come up here and catch us, you know. And so you're seeing other other teams, and we, you can only hope that there will become more Mark Davises throughout the league to want to get to that bar. Teams that are, that are adding investors, that are trying to find ways, they want to have facilities like that. That's how important it is. And to be able to have the just top-of-the-line uh, athletic training staff and just the assistance for players, especially like a Candace Parker, who might need a little bit of extra, you know, cryo tank uh, experiences or whatever it might be to keep her playing out there. And so 
um, they're so appreciative. It, it's, it makes such a difference, and we're seeing that consistency then played out on the floor. You know, you mentioned Candace Parker, and I know the Aces won last year without her, but having her, having that, that leadership that she has, almost that calm, uh, cool about herself, and even though she's missed a couple games due to the, to the ankle injury, I mean, she's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. How big is it just having Candace Parker, her presence on this team? And, you know, her length and ability as a ball handler, mm-hmm. you can't just forget about her, you know. And, and that's another thing that early on, because her numbers maybe hadn't been quite there, she was still kind of figuring out her role with the team. Some teams kind of let her go uh, and to focus on others. Well, then she started making teams play. She's been scoring in some double digits, almost triple-double level. I mean, you're talking six or six, five or six rebounds or more. Um, those are the numbers she's starting to put in. And so you can't forget about her, just the addition of her. She's a threat. And that's really the key when you go out there, right, to be a threat. If you're not, you're giving up something to the opponent. And so there's no doubt she's still a threat. Um, there's no doubt that Becky Hammond has to really be smart about her play, um, really assess how she's feeling. I don't think that Kia Stokes gets nearly enough love either. Agreed. Kia had been coming in off the bench as a starter a season ago, but you know, she's been coming in defensively. She's not a big time scorer, but she is capable of scoring. And again, just being a threat as a scorer, but her shot blocking, rebounding, uh, she's filling the void also um, whenever Candace hasn't been there. So that gives, that gives this team a lot of length. Uh, they've got a good combination. And Kelsey Plum missed the game out with illness. And you can see that, you know, they missed her quickness. And so yeah. when you've got the combination that they have, it's really special. Um, so they're, they're trying to figure out ways that when you don't have Candace in there, who else can step in? When you maybe don't have Kelsey, who else can step in? Because let's be real here. These seasons, things happen as the season goes along. So you got to be ready. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they look great on paper. We know what kind of record they're off to so far, only having two losses on the season. But it's still a lengthy season, and, and anything could happen. So you need to have as much depth as possible, and that's something that they do have. Well, tonight's game tips off at 7 against the, the Sparks. And then final question for you, what do you think about the All-Star break and the, the All-Star game being played here in Las Vegas as well? Uh, you know, it's it's you know we watch all the entertainment. They, you know, the, all the teams do an amazing job across the board. Uh, and maybe we're a little bit biased, but if anybody can put on entertainment and a show, it is Las Vegas. And wow, they they just do an exceptional job. The the entire staff there and at Mandalay Bay and, and inside the Global Vulture Arena, and uh, it is so much fun to uh, to take you take a time out and you get entertained. And <laughs> there is so much talent. You know, uh, after Elena Deladon out with an ankle, she has. Uh, had to step aside on the all-star game and they've brought in Ryan Howard yeah. uh, from Atlanta. And, you know, everybody, a lot of people were upset that Ryan didn't make the team, but Carolyn and I looked at the roster and said, well, who, who are you going to take off the roster? Right. To add this player? That's how much talent there's going to be. So one, the game itself and the players, there's going to be a lot of talent and a lot of fun. And then just the entertainment factor, uh, just a blast. And I'm excited to see all the fans there and everybody getting behind it and just having a great time. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it is. I'm excited to be there as well. It's coming up this Saturday at Michelob Ultra Arena. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, like you said, there's going to be so much talent in the building. But up first, the Aces and the Sparks tonight, 7 p.m. tip-off. You can hear it on the radio side of things on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. And, of course, you can check out Krista Blunk and Coach Carolyn Peck, who do a fantastic job on the TV side of things. You guys keep me entertained, I promise you, all the time. <laughs> so I definitely appreciate the work that you guys put in. Thanks so much. All right, Q. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Glad to be with you guys. Absolutely. There she goes. Krista Blanc, fantastic job. Aces play-by-play voice. She's along with Carolyn Peck, uh, the coach, 
the, the national champion. Uh, Carolyn's great. She's fantastic. But both of those two together, they do a great job on the, on the call, on the TV side of things. And if you want to hear the radio side of things, of course, you can hear it on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. It tips off at 7 p.m. 4.15 is the time when we come back. You'll hear from Matthew Butler. He was part of Good Morning Football on NFL Network this morning. Just a little couple minutes from him. You'll hear it next here on Radio Nation Radio. 920. True story, though, that in your hometown, you hit too many home runs in the, in the field, in your neighborhood, off houses, beyond the outfield wall. You had to stop hitting them and just focus on hitting the ball the other way. Yeah, and then, to be honest, I don't like talking, so I'm like I'm bragging, but yeah, I had to stop <laughs> hitting at the field out there because it was getting dangerous for the people. Hey, I said it. You're not bragging at all. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. With your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. That was Mariners' Julio Rodriguez right there, the guy that had 41 home runs in uh, the first round of the home run derby. Didn't end up winning the whole thing because, well, first of all, you put on that kind of performance in round one. How much do you have left for the rest of the competition? But, man, what a show he put on and had an opportunity last night in the All-Star game to win it for the AL, right? Came up to bat. He's the hometown guy at Seattle. He plays for Seattle. Had a couple guys on, and I thought, oh, man, as we were looking at the over-unders, and we already had on the show under seven runs. It was 3-2 to two at that point. There was two guys on, and Rodriguez was at the plate, and I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to hit a home run, and AL's going to win, or he's going to drive in a couple runs, and that seven, that number's not going to win. It didn't happen, though. So uh, he, he got walked, and uh, AL ended up losing. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun little event the past couple of days watching the Home Run Derby and also checking out the All-Star game last night that the National League ended up winning and snapping their nine-game winning streak or losing streak. Uh, Jennifer Mercedes, producer and host, host of uh, La Vida Baseball, she's actually going to join us tomorrow on the show to talk all things Major League Baseball and the All-Star break and, and uh, the, the interactions that she had with players as she was out there in Seattle. We do have Bob Nightingale from USA Today. He's a Major League Baseball radio insider. He's going to join us in a few minutes. So uh, just kind of keep a little programming note. Got a lot to get to in a short amount of time here on the show. And, of course, tomorrow we're going to have a very busy show as well. We'll have the likes of Rachel Nichols on the show tomorrow. We'll have Vinny Bonsignor on the show tomorrow. Uh, We'll have plenty of good guests. As I mentioned, Jennifer Mercedes will join the show. We'll be action-packed as we are each and every week. And on top of that, I believe that the show will be generated from Summer League. I'm not 100% sure, but there's a good chance that you'll hear Unnecessary Roughness coming to you live from the Thomas and Mac for uh, for a Summer League action. So that's just something to pay attention to. But something that I paid attention to this morning, I saw on NFL Network, one of my go-to channels. I'm either on ESPN all the time when I'm in the, in the home studio or I'm on NFL Network or a combination of the two. I saw a second-year guy for the Silver and Black, Matthew Butler. He was on Good Morning Football. And, of course, uh, Matthew Butler is a guy that is expected, just like Neil Farrell Jr., two guys that uh, were drafted last season. Defensive tackles for the Raiders didn't get a whole lot of burn. Butler got uh, some. Farrell got some. But expecting a, a big you know, jump in year two for both of those guys. But uh, Butler, the young man out of Tennessee, he was on Good Morning Football uh, earlier today, and this is what he had to say. The Raiders had a big defensive piece in the NFL draft with Tyree Wilson. You already have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. How does Wilson change the dynamics of the Raiders' D, and what's the potential for the Vegas defense? Yeah, so Tyree, he has all the tools. He could be a great player. And him, myself, everybody else, we're just fighting to help the team. You know, we all want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not just about us. It's not just about the defense. It's about the team. And when we put the team first, 
the possibilities are endless. You're entering your second NFL season. Last year, you got to play with a pretty exciting quarterback in Derek Carr. This year, there's been so much talk about your new quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be under center. Why is Jimmy the right guy to lead this Raiders offense right now? Yeah, ton of respect for Derek, ton of respect for Jimmy. I've had opportunities to really have real conversations with both of them. Jimmy, he's a great player, and he's had great success in this league in different circumstances and situations. And one thing about us, we trust that we're going to put the best players in the best position to win games and put us in position to have all the success that we want. So well, definitely, it's a, it's a trust thing. We definitely trust upstairs, our coaches, and the rest of our team to just put us in positions to win those games. That's, that's the end goal, right? Matthew, you, you played it at Tennessee. We were talking about it in the break a little bit. Uh, this past draft, five volunteers were selected. What are the Lions getting in the quarterback? And could we see him one day as that Detroit's starting quarterback? Yeah, so Hendon's a good player, and he's an even better dude. I know him very personally. Um, Detroit drafted him for a reason. You know, I hope the best for him. I hope the best for all the guys who came out in this past draft. Obviously, myself and everybody who came out in the draft before. Even the draft before that with guys like Trey Smith. You know, I, I hope the best for them within reason, of course. When we're playing against them, you know, I'm hoping the best for uh, our team and, and myself. But, you know, those are my guys. I'm in great contact with them. There's going to be guys coming out of Tennessee this upcoming year. I hope the best for them. And, and, you know, we're all real close. We built a real camaraderie there at Tennessee. And now I'm just hoping and praying for success for, obviously, myself and them as well. You know, at the next level, this is what we dream of as kids. There you go. Matthew Butler, second-year guy. And I'll tell you what, with my biggest takeaway from that little two-and-a-half minutes of, of conversation that dude don't sound like a second-year guy, <laughs> right? That doesn't sound like a guy that's a little uncomfortable behind the mic or, or being asked questions. And, you know, to hit him with the question about Derek Carr and Jimmy G as a second-year guy who didn't get a ton of burn in year one, it's a, that's a very tough question. But I felt like he handled it really well. I feel like he answered it really well. He's talking about trust. He talked about respect, obviously, for both guys and Derek and Jimmy G. Trust the guys up front, uh, upstairs, uh, uh, trust the coaches. I don't know. Again, it's, it's funny, and, and I don't know what he's going to do this year. He's a guy that we talked about quite a bit here on the show. You know, we'd like to see him and Neil Farrell Jr. step up and, and, and do some things. They were picked last year, and you didn't see a whole lot of burn. So, man, if they could all of a sudden step up and help out uh, in the mix on that defensive line, how much better can that D-line be? But just from sound, from his tone, and knowing what Dave Ziegler has told us and knowing what Josh McDaniels has told us, and knowing what Patrick Graham has told us about those guys, that they spent all offseason at the facility working, working on their bodies, working on their game, working on the playbook, just knowing, you know, being where their feet are, knowing what they're doing. He sounds the part. I mean, he really does. Like, if you just listened to that and did not know who it was, if I didn't tell you that was second-year guy Matthew Butler, it, you wouldn't have thought that that was a second-year dude. Right. I mean, look, I ain't been around the league as long as John McClain has, but that there's no way that that sounded like a second year dude. All right. I mean, you, you've been you know, you've been covering football. You've been you've had plenty of football players on shows, whether it's ESPN or so this show, wherever. 
to me, that didn't sound like a second-year dude. No, that sounds like a, a, a vet, a seasoned vet. Right. That's what I was thinking, man. It just sounds like a seasoned vet, a guy that knows exactly what the expectations are, what he's looking for, you know, what the coaches want from him and, and, and the rest of his teammates, and a guy who's ready for the first day of practice, which if you're looking at the calendar, is two weeks from right now. Sound like uh, Anthony Richardson next year. Is, right. That's what I expect from him as well. Right. That's a good one. That is a great point right there. That does sound like Anthony Richardson. And, and look, Anthony Richardson is a rookie, but he, he just sounds like, you know, they always say that the biggest compliment is what the he sounds like an old soul. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even though even though, you don't you know, no one ever wants to say that they're old or whatever. But it just kind of seems like, you know, he's got it. He's got it together. I'm excited to see what can happen with Butler. I'm excited to see what can happen with Farrell Jr. Obviously want to see what's going to happen with Tyree Wilson. This Raiders defensive line, it's, it's, it could potentially be the strength of this Raiders defense. Uh, we've talked in great nauseam about the, about the offense and how good it could be as long as Jimmy G is healthy. But that defense is going gonna, is gonna to have to really step up and, and, and play a major role, and it's going to start up front with the defensive line. They went out and got Byron Young. He's the guy that we talked to Vic Tafer just the other day about. He thinks that he's a guy who could actually get onto the field early. I do too. I like Byron Young immediately after uh, the Raiders drafted him. I thought, man, this guy, he's got the potential to be somebody, being a guy that can stuff the run. And then also, you know, we, he, he found ways to get to the quarterback last year at Alabama. So I like what I see from him. But I, I do believe, as I've mentioned so many times on this show, there's going to be a lot of competition when it comes to the defensive side of things uh, for the you know for the Raiders once training camp opens up. Again, the rookies, they'll report on the 20th, and the veterans report on the 25th, and then the first day of practice officially is the 26th. And, of course, we'll be out there uh, talking to coaches, talking to players in some kind of capacity, uh, looking forward to that. And then it's full throttle. Once that happens, once the 26th happens, all bets are off, right? It's all training camp all the time. Got hit up earlier today. Uh, ESPN National was asking me to do some shows, and they're like, hey, we want you to do a show on the 25th and the 26th and the 27th. And I was like, oh, I got you on the 24th. 25th, that's when uh, that's when the veterans report. There may be some, some media availability, so I can't commit to that. 26th, first day of practice, definitely cannot commit to that because, well, we got to be out there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Join us now on the phone lines from USA Today, Sports MLB, Major League Baseball Radio Insider Bob Nightingale. Bob, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you this afternoon and wanted to get into the All-Star break and the festivities that have happened uh, with the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game. And we'll start with the most current, which is the All-Star game, uh, the National League. They had a nine-game losing streak going to the American League. They snapped that last night, and I don't know if you noticed, but, man, the fans looked like they were intense. The players looked intense. It almost felt like it was a postseason game as opposed to an all-star game. Yeah, it's been so long. I mean, uh, talking to National League guys, it's like they, you know, they said uh, they were so fired up at the end of the game and the bench, was, everything was kind of chill before that. And uh, then they said, man, it's the same rig. You know, they're, they're making sure that Julio Rodriguez comes up Julio <laughs> Rodriguez is going to have the game winning hit, so they're going to have a home run derby. So they were like convinced, like, okay, they're trying to do everything possible to get this thing some more uh, attention. Yeah, it, it felt like that, and I was really paying attention to the game. And, and when Rodriguez came up, and of course he's the guy who plays for Seattle, had the had the monster first round in the home run derby. I thought, okay, this is the storybook ending. I didn't think it was rigged, but I thought, what a storybook ending this could be. How much drama did you see in that game? The way it ended. Well, just because it was a hometown guy, because it was a Julio Rodriguez, it was anybody else, okay, nobody would pay attention. Right. The fact it was Rodriguez had a chance to uh, 
you know, hit a, a home run or tied the game with a uh, double. You know, they got Idro Walk. But so, and then you got a uh, Ramirez versus Kimbrell. You know, great matchup. Kimbrell strikes him out. But yeah, I mean, he had a lot of ninth inning drama. I mean, there was more drama in the last two innings than there were in the first seven innings of the game. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about that. Again, Bob Nightingale from USA Today is who we're speaking with right now on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So looking at the, the players and, and how skilled they are and just all the guys that were gathered there in Seattle, to me, Bob, it feels like that Major League Baseball is in a really good place with a lot of fun, young players. A ton of young talent players. You know, with the new rule changes, you know, guys running around and stealing bases. Uh, you know, it's a... Can features athleticism, which is you know nice for a change. So yeah, I mean attendance is up. I want to say by eight percent. TV ratings are up uh, in twenty three of the thirty markets. So yeah, uh, you know, base, baseball's in a good place. It's been kind of uh, you know downhill for a while. You know with COVID and just people getting tired of the game. Uh, you know now quicker pace, faster games. People are excited again. You know, and I was one of those that was a, a believer that they didn't have to change any rules. Baseball was fine. I'm, you know, old older guy, enjoyed just baseball how it was. But how much do you think that the rule changes that they made uh, this offseason, how much do you think that's helped this game, viewership and everything? I think it has. You know, I mean, I you know, go to a ton of games. I didn't realize there was that much dead time. And now, you know, it doesn't look that much different, just a quicker pace. You know, I look at the you know, clock in the ninth inning. It's like, oh my God, it's two, you know, two hours, two ten, two twenty. So it kind of catches you by surprise. So yeah, I think the uh, you know younger fans like that. I mean, it's kind of you know it's awful for the beer the beer concession guys <laughs> right. because you know wait a minute now I got to sell my beer within about an hour and a half here. I mean, some teams are saying you know what let's let's sell our uh, alcohol for uh, the entire game. But a uh, that but yeah, it's, it, it's fun. And uh, it doesn't seem that much different. But just, you know, guys are getting the ball and pitching rather than, you know, everybody kind of uh, taking their time and, you know, batters adjusting their gloves and walking away, that sort of thing. Again, we're talking with Bob Nightingale right now from USA Today, talking all things Major League Baseball. And the home run derby I wanted to focus in on, and we mentioned Rodriguez and the 40-plus home runs he hit in the first round. And then you had batters switch hitting. I mean, you had you had a lot of different storylines. And ultimately, Vlad Guerrero Jr. wins it. He was just kind of slow and steady. He just was consistent throughout the whole, the whole event. But uh, what did you see from the home run derby? How much did you enjoy that event? I mean, it's cool that he won it and his dad won it. Uh, they both won MVPs. And he goes, okay, your dad's in, your dad's in the Hall of Fame. And here, you know, a young guy he said, okay, that's next, that's next. You know, you got to wait about 20, 25 years. But cool just because he's a uh, a big name in the sport. Everybody knows who Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero is, uh, you know, his son being junior. So just a, uh, it's cool that it was him, just got big name. And, you know, as you saw, he's got big personality as well. What about Mookie Betts? I know he didn't get out of the first round, but he was urged by his wife to, to go ahead and, and participate in it just so he could check those boxes. Uh, what did you think of just the competitor in, in Mookie Betts? I mean, unbelievable athlete. I mean, if you take a, uh, you know, of all the, you know, 750 you know, players or so, you know, maybe minus Otani, I'll get Betts. I maybe get Betts. The, the best uh, all-around athlete. I think this guy could do everything. If you want him to pitch, he could do it. He's a, you know he's bold like I want to say six or seven, three hundred 
300 games, but just a fabulous, fabulous athlete. So fun guy to be around. Uh, but yeah, it's fun that he did that. I remember watching Mike Piazza years ago with the Dodgers. You know, two straight years he didn't hit, hit one home run. He goes, "Okay, I'm, I'm done with this." <laughs> so at least you know, Mookie did better than that. Yeah, he checked the boxes. He he was able to go out there and compete, and he's not a big dude, but uh, you know, obviously in in, in real baseball action, uh, he can go yard at any time. Again, we're talking all things Major League Baseball. Bob Nightingale from USA Today here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. So you mentioned Shohei Otani, and that's the show right there. That is the guy that everybody's talking about. He's putting together a hell of a season, something that is, feels like it's pretty historic, something we haven't seen before. What are your thoughts on his next destination? I mean, I, I feel like nobody really knows, but, but, I mean, that's all the big conversation. What do you think about Shohei and where he could end up? No, you're absolutely right. Nobody knows. And he says whoever reports stuff is lying or making stuff up. Nobody knows. You know, uh, I, th- I still think the Angels have a shot. If the Angels didn't have a shot, they, you know, they wouldn't be keeping him. Uh, they know if they trade him away, they have no chance. So they're hanging on to him. So, you know, he's such a recluse. He likes to just hang in a hotel, uh, doesn't go out at night. I think he's, you know, so comfortable in Southern California. So I'll go, you know, Dodgers, Angels, Padres, uh, San Francisco, Seattle. I'll go with that. I, I think he wants to stay west. I think he be, I don't see him as a New York guy. You know, he's never on his original list anyway. And, you know, a three-hour time difference. Some people would have to get up real early in Japan to watch him pitch. So I, I do believe he stays at West. You know, you mentioned a team that intrigues me, and I've thrown that team's name out there a few times as well when it comes to Shohei Otani, and that's the San Francisco Giants. I just kind of feel like that he would really fit in well with them and their culture. What are your thoughts on the Giants and potentially them landing Shohei? Well, when you think of the teams, particularly if it's the, uh, you know, Seattle and San Francisco, they need a tennis. Uh, San Francisco – you know, the tennis has really plummeted there is with all the businesses going belly up after COVID. Downtown isn't the same. So they would have a massive attendance boost. Where if you're in uh, L.A. or San Diego, nothing, you know, there won't be boost at all. I mean, the Dodgers sell out, you know, most of the games, average almost 50,000 fans. I want to say the Padres have sold out 30, 38, 39 games already. But San Francisco could really use him as, a, as an attraction. You know, he probably makes the uh, Angels about you know, $20, $25 million a year. And uh, so that's why, you know, teams will throw all kinds of money at him because he makes you money too. Right. And I feel like him with the Angels right now, he's having such a phenomenal season, something that, you know, no one's ever really seen before. And I feel like not enough people are actually seeing it because he's with the Angels and it's just not, you know, it, it's not on TV like it should be. It's, it's just I feel like a lot of people, Bob, are missing on the great season that Shohei's having. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody follows winners. You know, I don't care if you're in Kansas City or some you know, Cincinnati, some mm-hmm. small market. People want to watch winners, and the Angels haven't won. They haven't won since fourteen, right? Uh, Two thousand nine, since they won a playoff game. So that's all it is. And they've been trying. They've brought in a bunch of stars and everything else. It just hasn't worked out. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to see Otani in the postseason. Just at the WBC, we saw him yeah. down at WBC. We saw him strike out Mike Trout last out of the uh, tournament, but we want to see him on center stage. You know, we want to see our best athletes. How will they do under the biggest pressure? Do you think that the angels are going to go and attempt to make a move to try to bring somebody in to, to, to make themselves a winner and get into the postseason and show, show, Hey, that, Hey, you ain't got to go nowhere. This team can win. 
I don't know. I mean, it's not, not like they have a deep farm system. Right. I think they'll be, you know, make some mild moves. Uh, obviously, they're waiting for a drought to come back sometime in August, probably late August. They need to hang around and, and give him a chance. But, you know, some of these guys have to step up. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've thrown out a lot of money. Guys like Anthony Rodon and stuff. It's time for those guys to say, you know what, let me play up the contract. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, Sports Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Radio Insider is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So the trade deadline is in August. Are there any big names that you're looking at that you think could have a chance of getting moved? Not massive names. I mean, not, not an Otani. You know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't see a, uh, a Max Scherzer, a Paul Goldschmidt. But, you know, if you want to go, you know, guys like a uh, Lucas Giolito, a Marcus Stroman, you know, that sort of thing. You know those guys. I think will get moved, but not that not the big big household names that you know that everybody loves to watch. So I think there'll be some uh, you know a lot of relievers moved, a lot of pitchers moved, but not the big big names that you know that everybody wants to see. And Bob, as we wrap this up, I got to ask you about a team that's near and dear to my heart. That's the Oakland A's. I'm a fan of the team, but I'm not a fan of them moving to Vegas because of well, what they've been putting on the field for years and just kind of robbing the fans there in Oakland of a real good product. What do you think of them coming to Vegas? Do you think that they'll change their business plan to actually put out a winning product on the field? I don't know. You know, I, I live in Phoenix, and Phoenix is like the fourth or fifth largest city in the country. And it has, it has a trouble making it work. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about Vegas. I mean, it's the same exact weather. Uh, are, are, are tourists really going to come to Vegas in summertime go see a baseball game? Right. I don't think so. I mean, you may hang around the casino pools, you know, inside the casino, going to shows. You know, why would you go to a baseball game? So I don't think it's going to work. I mean, I think the A's are going there. I don't see it working. I really don't. Uh, you know. I think you have to win. I, yeah. I talked to, uh, you know, Bryce Harper and, uh, you know, Bohm from the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, both uh, Vegas natives. They don't think it's going to work either. It's the expansion team, Will, you know, yeah. just like the, uh, you know, the hockey team, the Knights. Right. But I don't know about a team that, you know, somebody's reject. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I just don't see it working there. I don't. But I, I do believe they're going there. For every reason that you just said, I, I don't believe it's going to work either. I'm, I've been firm about that, that business plan, the way that they put that, that team together and the, the, the team that they actually field each and every night. I just can't see that working here either. But, again, we will see. Well, Bob, fantastic stuff, man. We definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, just a story on just the, uh, you know, the five things to watch, the five storylines to watch. Nice. And I think, you know, like, uh, we talked about Otani's one of them. I think the Mets and, uh, you know, what's going to happen with the Mets and Padres, two of the most underachieving teams of all time. You know, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Marlins, you know, the overachievers. What, what are the Yankees going to do? What are the Dodgers going to do? So, yeah, kind of a story just on what to watch out for a second half. There you go. Good stuff. Well, Bob, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. We definitely appreciate you. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bob Nightingale right there, USA Today, Sports Major League Baseball, MLB Radio Insider with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We touch on everything. We touched on some law today. We touched on some fitness today. We touched on the Aces today, Major League Baseball. We've got it all. Oh, my. 
plus winning. How about caller number nine right now, 702-365-9200. We want to get you in to win. We want to get you qualified for four tickets to that Aviators game. More importantly, that's going to give you an opportunity to have an opportunity at getting in to win to get registered for that five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell plus a $1,000 gift card for gas or food or you could take the cash. Take the trip or take the cash. The cash is $3,000. It's a loaded summer of fun, and I'm looking for you. Call number 9, 702-365-9200. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Broncos show blitz. The handoff is to Jacobs. First through the 10. Cuts a field five. Drives forward. He's in. Touchdown, Josh Jacobs. Touchdown, Raiders. He bullied his way through the end zone on an 11-yard carry. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Shout out to my man Chris, was calling number nine. He is now in to win, registered for four tickets to the Aviators game, which makes him that much closer to the ultimate prize and part of the Lotus Summer of Fun. We're actually hooking it up twice today, getting folks in to win, so definitely appreciate that. Michael got hooked up earlier. Chris is getting hooked up now, and we've got more winning on the way. We like to do this each and every day. We're greedy around here. I know I'm greedy. I want everyone to win the grand prize, and this is Lotus wide this is company wide not just las vegas wide this is company wide i'm greedy i want to make sure that the winners come from our show on our station radio nation radio 920 unnecessary roughness but you can get registered with the morning tailgate you can get registered with jt the brick and of course you'll get registered multiple times with us and we're doing it on our sister stations every every station that lotus has we're doing it part of the lotus summer of fun we have some really good places that we're sending you already sent someone to maui Already sent someone to New York, even though Wendell, who won that New York trip, actually took the cash, $3,000. Now, this one is the five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell, plus a $1,000 gift card for gas and food. And the good thing about this, the next trip, it'll be announced on Monday. Clay, Lindsay, Vinny, they'll announce what the next trip is. So if Lake Powell's not your spot, that's all right. Maybe the next one is your spot. And honestly, to be, you know, to be keeping a buck, if – you win any of these spots, they're your spot, <laughs> right? I mean, that's all a good get-down, man. If you got that opportunity to go anywhere, that is a good thing. So shout-out to my man Chris, who got uh, in to win that, uh, that, that trip, obviously. Well, in to win the Aviators game, which gets him one, close step, one, close, one step closer, I should say, to winning that trip. We've had a very busy show today. Uh, talked all things, this uh, report and this uh, piece out on ESPN.com about John Gruden's emails and how those leaks of those emails helped bring down Daniel Snyder. We had Daniel Lust, sports attorney, co-host of Conduct Detrimental, the podcast. I had him on the show at 2.30. Uh, we had Jenna Geary from JennaGeary.com talking all things fitness at 3.45. Krista Blunk, uh, Aces play-by-play voice for TV at 4 o'clock, talking all things Aces. They're in action tonight. They tip off at 7 o'clock against the Sparks. They're in L.A. and get wrapped up with the regular with the first half of the regular season and then of course the the all-star game is on saturday at michelob ultra arena here in las vegas and then uh, we also just heard from bob nightingale from usa today sports talking all things major league baseball and we'll deep dive into obviously raiders uh, on tomorrow's show we'll have some uh, some nba talk on tomorrow's show we have plenty of stuff to, to get to on tomorrow's show i know Vinny bonsignor will join us as a matter of fact uh, we'll have jennifer mercedes from levita baseball she's talking all things well major league baseball she was on site for the all-star uh, festivities so we'll talk to her about that uh, plus we have a whole lot more to get to 
on the show. Rachel Nichols will join us. Uh, I mentioned talking about the NBA. She'll join us to talk about uh, the, the Goliath show that we f- featured yesterday, uh, the three-part documentary on Wilt Chamberlain. She's going to join us to talk about that as she is the, she's part of the panel She'll actually be the, the one emceeing it, and uh, Kevin Garnett will be doing a lot of speaking as well. But Rachel Nichols, that'll be fun to talk to her tomorrow, matter of fact, at 3 o'clock about that uh, event. And we'll also be going to the screening tomorrow evening and uh, checking out that three-part documentary. Can't wait to do all that. Right about now comes to this point of the show where we like to pass the sticks on to my man Ari. Uh, he hits us with the National Day of the Year. I say it all the time. I say it each and every day. There's way too many National Days of the Year. I mean, some 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 days have like four or five different National Days. Like, how can it be four or five different things on one day? But sometimes there is. Well, Ari, you're going to hit us with the National Day of the Year. What is it today? And thank you for, you know, waiting for through all that stuff for the most exciting part of the show. I mean, all those guests were awesome and all, but we're going to talk but about But this is when it really gets real. Just, and especially today, because boy, are we in for a treat. <laughs> it is July 12th. The It's paper bag day, not even national, but just paper bag day all across the world. American inventor Francis Wool got his credit for the first bag machine in 1852. And then fast forward to uh, Margaret, Margaret E. Knight. She's, she's the big one right there. She made the grocery bag, basically. It's a square, flat bottom bag with the machine that would fold and paste them way back in 1870. So, yes, I know it's so exciting. You can't Today contain yourself. Today is paper bag day. Paper bag day. And how do you observe it? You ready? I'm sure you have to take a picture <laughs> and put it on exciting. Twitter. Yeah, but, but aside from that. You know, <laughs> I'll say this. I don't know how you celebrate paper bag <laughs> day because when the hell do you get a paper it's bag ridiculous. anymore? Yeah, no, good call. Yeah, it's. I mean, hell, in some places to get a bag, period, you got to pay for it. You're right. Actually, I just was in Pennsylvania in the Philly area just now, and they do uh, they do that. They will they charge you thirty five cents in some places. Yeah. To give you like a reusable bag, which is right. the worst thing That's ever. That's what they did when we were in Hawaii. We went to uh, the Wally's World, aka Walmart. We went there mm-hmm. and. We bought a lot of stuff because that's what you do when you're in Hawaii. You go and buy a lot of stuff to take to the Airbnb. And all of a sudden I looked up and they said, do you want to buy a bag? And I was like, no, I want to put my stuff in a bag. And they're like, no, do you want to buy a bag? And I was like, well, I guess I have no option. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's what they do. But, yeah, I mean, again, right now when the wife goes to the grocery store, she has a bunch of, you know, the, the Smith's plastic bags. Right, the, oh, yeah. and they're they're the reusable ones. I mean, she always puts them in her trunk and, and takes them back, and so they're nice and reusable. But I couldn't tell you the last time we got a paper bag. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like the plastic though, and I'm a big proponent, as most people are, of you know stuffing them under your uh, kitchen sink for use in the future. Right, right. Like, the yeah, environment doesn't love it. Got but, those. Hey. Everyone's got those. But yeah, but yeah, I, I I'll tell I'll tell you, I don't know about the paper bag. All right, I got a couple things you can clean windows with them. Apparently. <laughs> Recycle, fresh. That, that's kind of like a newspaper then, I guess, huh? Yeah, basically. Because when I used to wash my car, when I used to wash my car myself, I used uh-huh. to use a newspaper and, and I would do the windows with the newspaper. So I guess that's the same thing, paper bag? Yeah, th- even more exciting. You can freshen stale bread or store onions and garlic, make compost, pack belongings, or cool your cookies. I know you can't contain <laughs> yourself. No, All you, I could think no. of, I had to laugh when you said that. All I could think of is my dad when you said, cool your cookies, because, well, that's a whole other story, and it's a family show, so I'm not oh going to get into it. But okay. my dad used to use that, that term, cookies, very loosely, like and it, it wasn't for, um, you know, the, the, the desserts-type meal. Let's put it like that. Ooh, so, I get it. cool your cookies with a paper bag. 
<laughs> that's how that's how you close out a Boom. show right there. I love it. National Day of the Day, paper bag. Cool your cookies in a paper bag. This has been Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. Have a fantastic evening.